The Brum Radio Shop is now open with all sorts of Brum Radio stuff with everything from t-shirts and hoodies to mugs and posters and much more. Support Brum Radio. Go to brumradio.com and click on shop. Thank you for downloading this Brum Radio podcast. For more podcasts, visit brumradio.com. Hi everybody, it's Monday, beginning of the week. They used to have a different things happened on Mondays. You can't try to think, you know, the particular Mondays, child is... What day were you born on? I think I, I think I was born on the Tuesday. I don't yeah. know. The, do you know the Monday's right Monday? child is full of grace. Tuesday's mm. child is fair of face. I'll right, I'll that's it. why you remember that one. Go on, <laughs> Wednesday. And then I hit my face on a podcast. Um, Wednesday's child is has far to go. Thursday's child is full of woe. Oh, poor Thursday. Friday's child is something else. I don't know the weekend. They just should be happy. No, no not the, the weekend. weekend. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so it's Monday's child is full of grace. We need things like that to give us an idea of the shape of the days. Mm. But things are going back a bit, aren't there? Queues outside Pound Stretcher and <laughs> Wilkinson's are very popular. Everybody's doing this and that. And if you don't know what you're listening to, you're listening to Barbara Nice and Friends podcast. It's me and Paul. Say hi, uh, Paul. Hello. 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 He says hello. He's very posh. He's from Coventry. <laughs> I say hiya. I'm twinned with Stockport and King's Heath, but Paul's very posh. Cover- <laughs> he always likes that because he isn't really. It's yeah. the first time it's ever been called posh, can't you? I've, I've called you posh quite a few oh, times. Oh, yeah. This podcast, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> posh, Cov. Oh, dear. So, Barbara... <laughs> Yes, Before love. we get on with the uh, introduction of the guest and the usual podcast things, shall I just tell you that I've heard your name been mentioned? Oh dear, was it Jean Pickles? We've not been talking about Jean. <laughs> no, she's uh, she's been on the download for a bit. She has, yeah. yeah. But uh, no, I was listening to another podcast that uh, brought your name up. Right, is it a debt collector's podcast? You're being very, <laughs> you're being very uh, like Columbo here. Just get to the pigging point. Okay, I listened to Off the Menu with James Acaster and Ed Gamble. Oh. And James oh, right. Acaster told a story about you, and I think you deserve right of reply at least. What was the story? It was actually a positive story. Don't worry. It was a, a right. festival. He's talking about um, he was at a festival once, and he was following. Yeah, you. this is James Acaster, mm. mm. and you were doing your comedy club for kids. Yeah. And I might not be able to tell this story because I think Terry's here as well. Oh, <laughs> tell, tell us about end. it afterwards. It's so wonderful. <laughs> Hiya. Hiya, Terry. There he is. Oh. oh, there he is. I can hear you. Hello. Hello, darling. How are you? Hello, darling. How are you? What's interesting, what though, is I can hear myself talking all the time like I'm, I don't know, like I'm the witches in Blinking Mount Beth. So first of all, I would like to say I am thrilled to have Mr. Terry Johnson. And I think you are an early adopter of the Zoom. Who'd have thought when it was, been out, I'd ever say a phrase like the early adopter of the Zoom, we thought it was an ice lolly. Because the first piece I saw in all this was you doing your play on Zoom, Terry. Now tell us why you did it and was it easy to do? You start you you were honestly an early adopter love. Tell us about that process. Well, I got a bit bored quite quickly, really. And we had that show already. We you know, it was a show we've done quite a few times. And it's a two-hander. And it's it's not difficult for me and Jeremy to do. We can do it at the drop of a hat, really. Um, mainly because Jeremy's got all the work to do. So I <laughs> Just sit there and um, sit there and read it. So we had it to hand. We also had a genius called Adam Lenson, who was game. 
So the, the, the Zoom technology is all down to Adam, who uh, runs uh, a lot of new music theatre workshops uh, and indeed had already done two global transmissions within a week of lockdown. <laughs> um, That's amazing. Uh, yeah, having worked out how to actually make music work best. In fact, he didn't do those on Zoom. He did those in, in some other manner because they hadn't quite worked out how to, uh, you know, get Zoom good enough for music. But um, Zoom, no doubt, will soon be good enough for music. So, yeah, we, we had a genius who, who was also the doorkeeper, oh. which is a very good <laughs> idea, by the way. I know that. <laughs> I was watching it in bed, so I didn't have my camera filled. I thought, I'm not going to the theatre in my bed, you know, in my pyjamas. But it's quite nice because you can't do that kind of thing. And at, at one point, because it was all about Ken Campbell, wasn't it, for people who didn't know, I didn't really explain that properly. And we'll talk about him in a minute. But some, after, about a quarter of an hour in, somebody turned up and went, I knew Ken. <laughs> Could be worse. My friend Jeremy is doing a Sunday night thing called Sunday Night at the Lockdown Palladium. He got hacked last week, and all I can say is they they swiftly cut to beat the cock and Ah. (laughs) had to abandon the entire event. Now, listen, that sounds good, luck. I have thought about that. People could take their clothes off, definitely. But tell us about Lockdown Palladium. I think that I'm very excited by all these ways, that because we're creative, aren't we, love? And we're trying to make a piggy living off of us. Go on. Tell us about Lockdown Palladium. Uh, Lockdown Palladium has got its last performance the, 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 uh, next Sunday, I think, this Sunday. It, it just it was an, it's an alternative cabaret, but it's run by Jeremy, who plays Ken. For me, in uh, when we do when we do our little ah. our little Ken outing, but you have to have an invite now, just oh, in case right. you want to take your clothes off. Okay, I wouldn't mind coming to talk about it afterwards because I like this idea. I was talking to somebody yesterday about alternative comedy. How many have we been doing of these over this time now, Paul? Fifty. Oh yeah, fifty-six, fifty-seven. Yeah, it's that, that sort of number. Over this, so. <laughs> It's been interesting, Terry, because we're sort of talking over this period and one of the things that's come up a lot is this kind of do-it-yourself, get on with it, be creative, a kind of a punk approach to, to the arts, which I do think Zoom's a bit like. And I'm interested in this idea of the alternative cabaret. Are they still going in London, alternative cabarets? Well, they calmed down a bit. They all went a bit circusy, didn't they? And then they, mm-hmm. um, I mean, the, the venues were getting either very expensive or, you know, pretty, pretty tight. So it was, I, I don't know. I'm not really part of that world. Um, but Ken Campbell, I think of him as being part of that world. Am I wrong in that? What world was Ken in? Ken was in a number of worlds. I mean, he goes through <laughs> a few phases, really. <clears throat> there were the roadshow days, which is probably what you're thinking about, where yeah, they literally yeah. run into pubs and behave like lunatics. And then there was his science fiction days, where he broadened his canvas to huge scope. And uh, then finally he landed back with Keith Johnson and improvisation and became a kind of fascist improviser and, <laughs> and beat creativity out of a couple of generations. <laughs> right, you've got to explain what you mean by a fascist improviser, love. What do you mean by that? Oh, Ken would term it thus. He says, it's my job to give you impossible things to do and then shout at you if you fail to do them. <laughs> 
And he would put people on their metal. Out of that became came Adam Megiddo, who now directs the shows that go wrong, or some of them, and runs Showstoppers. A whole a whole raft of improvisers came came from from that kind of uh, brutality. Nina Conti, who now. Edinburgh last year was brave enough to go on with no material whatsoever, just herself talking to her hand in various guises, which is phenomenal when you think about it. I mean, real that is, courage. That is, and, and did she really do that too? Because that is because after a bit, surely what happens is if you get a laugh on something, you think I'm doing that again next night. No, she used to go on with no material, and she would. Uh, find members of the audience and then she would attempt um, to uh, create a a story within the relationships of the people she'd chosen. So she'd often choose families to get up there Um, and then she'd make them talk to each other. But again, all herself. And, and, you know, that that kind of extraordinary courage was the sort of thing Ken admired. I know, you know, she's got her hand up a monkey's bum, but Hmm. Ken's hand's certainly still up hers. She revels in the fear. (laughs) What about, I mean, I I quite like a bit of that kind of messing around. Because you came, I did a show in Edinburgh in a yurt. Do you remember? We made up a show with the people that were in the the yurt. Was it about? Yeah, now you've reminded me. In fact, you and she were doing pretty pretty nice the same thing. You know, start from zero and... uh, and See where it goes. Um, It's a courage I don't have. Jeremy can do that as well. And I admire all the improvisers who can. I've I've never been one. You put me in an improvisation situation and you get zero. Nada. (laughs) You're doing a bit now. Zero. Nada, I thought was good. Uh, yeah, well, this is a conversation. I don't know. Maybe it's just a leap I've never, I've never made. But you admire it when you see it, and it, and it ties in what you were saying earlier about you know people doing their own stuff and being forced to do their own stuff here. It's it's meant it's more than a decade ago when I changed my advice to young actors, you know, who who inevitably will ask what what are your tips for making it in this profession. And it's been a couple of decades. Of it. My answer has been very simple, and it's always been make your own work, because as as performers emerge from their cosseted um, uh, training grounds, be that drama school or a university or a or a building site, as they emerge, they divide into those creatures who will make their own work and those who will surrender to an industry which have has far too many participants. So I, I only really pay attention to those people who are willing and able to make their own work. Yeah, and I do think it's an exciting time now. I think when times get tough, it gets exciting again. And I love this level playing ground. And everybody thinking, what can I do? And I'm very interested in you very early going, I want to do something. I felt that very strongly. I felt straight away, I want to piggy and do something. Do you think that's... Were you like that as a kid? Were you always making things happen, would you say, love? Oh, I don't know. No, I was a very shy kid. That doesn't mean you didn't want to make things happen. I I, I think if I... I was quite... I'm quite lazy too. I think if I could have been in the (laughs) industry without actually doing anything, then I would have been. But uh, that wasn't available to me, so I had to sit down and write write plays. But I... 
you know, all I'm pointing out is there are, there are doers, and there's there's a whole swathe of the industry who think that acting isn't doing, that that it's something people give you to do. Got to get beyond that, or or you're not gonna you're not gonna build a body of work in in this day and age unless you're extremely lucky. But you was an actor, weren't you, love? So would you say you started off as an actor? No, I was an actor for ten minutes. I hated it. I was. <laughs> I was totally self-conscious, very unhappy. The only good performance I ever gave, um, people said afterwards, it was at university, you might have seen it, people said afterwards, oh, that was great, you were wonderful, that was really extraordinary. And I, I was in a numb funk at the end because I'd literally entered a dark tunnel without a light at the end. I had no memory of anything that had happened in the previous two hours, none. And I thought, well, if that's what good acting is, it's not for me. You didn't like it. Was it when you was being t uh, Tony Hancock? You were very good in that, love. I didn't know you was in a tunnel then. You was good. Yeah, I never enjoyed it. I was never happy and I could never remember what comes next. And I think that's a kind of touchstone of whether you can act or not. If you can't remember what comes next, then maybe you shouldn't be doing it. But according to some very fine actors I know, that is a common state. <laughs> One not to be feared. And I go, well, I can't, I can't do that. You didn't like that. So the, what was you, because obviously you, you're a very, very successful playwright, love. We, did that surprise you? Or did you think, oh, I'm, I know I'm going to be good? Or did, at what point did you go, maybe you're still thinking, actually, I'm, I'm successful at doing this? I never had any doubt that, it never crossed my mind at any point that I'd be doing something else once I decided to do this, ever. So we're going from 16, 17 years old now. Mm. Never a moment's doubt that it would be that it would be what I'd do. That that I was good at it was was thus not a not a huge surprise because I always knew I knew, you see. I always right. knew I knew how it was done. I can only explain it like that. Um, my uh. mother, who didn't know such things existed, was shopping in Watford once. Yeah. I was next to a pre-Christmas and we walked past the, the Watford Palace Theatre and there was a pantomime on and I said can we go my, my mother knew so little about the theatre she, she paused for a moment and then walked in and asked them when the next showing was hmm. and no. luckily for us it was 10 minutes later hmm. and in fact the foyers were empty because everybody was sitting in and we got the last two seats in the um, upper upper circle which were bench seats, still are wooden bench seats. Um, and so that was my first theatre experience in the middle of a shopping trip and rather surprised to be there because I hadn't for a moment thought she'd say, yeah. And, and in the middle of that show, there was a moment where Cinderella's gathering the pumpkins and the mice and what have you, and then there's a wonderful transformation and suddenly she's in this impossible sparkly white dress. I simultaneously adored that moment at the same time as knowing exactly how they'd done it. There was never any doubt and exactly how it would it, it had been achieved. Um, and it remains a kind of, yeah, key moment, key moment. I always knew both sides of it. And uh, yeah, I was very eager to uh, get into the wings and watch the ASM get into that frock. Ah, so that's such a lovely story. And I, I know what you mean about key moments. And I, I'm very interested in um, 
things that happen amongst the audience. And I, you, when you were talking about that, I remember a key moment when I was a kid and I went to see a play at the Library Theatre in Manchester and the actor came off the stage and walked amongst the audience. And that was a key moment for me because I think in the same way, I, something clicked in me and I thought, I know how to do this. It's interesting, isn't it? That that, yeah. becomes that becomes part part of your practice, or something clicks and goes. Come on, you know about this. No, another key moment in exactly the same theatre, but in the far distant corner, uh, down in the uh, stage left corner of the auditorium, was the pastor, and mm. I still remember my sister's English teacher's boyfriend, who was busy busy running the bushy operatic and dramatic society, or at least doing doing their sets and what have you. I always remember him walking me through the pastor, and I remember the pastor, and for those of you that don't know, a pastor is a big metal thing with incredible weight behind it, and it's, it's, it is a magic portal. And I've never been able to step through a pastor since without a feeling of privilege because you pass from a common world into a taboo world, into a, a world where magic must be done and will be done, and you pass through it. Uh, and you, you, you've got to give it a good tug with your right arm to, uh, to move that door. And inevitably, the other side of it, there's something to fall over, there's something to bang your head on, you can barely see. It's filthy. And there's... Uh, Usually some people doing some magic. If you're not sure what Terry means by the pastor, he's, he's described it beautifully, what it does, but it's a kind of a door between the audience, the front of... It's sort of the auditorium, isn't it, and backstage. It's the bit that's separate. It's Alice's door, isn't it? Alice in Wonderland's door. That's absolutely beautiful description of it. And it, you say it is picking dangerous. Things, awful things going on. But, yeah, Terry, when are the theatres going to open again? When is all that pastor behaviour going to happen? What do you think, love? Well, uh... I, I had always presumed it wouldn't be this year. Um, it's been quite amusing being an averagely intelligent person through this through this thing because, you know, it'll be next March, I would have thought. There might be a dispensation for pantomime if they can do the sums. I mean, that, you know, I can. There's a, there's a big debate at the moment as to whether the, the Palladium pantomime will happen. Um, I suspect it will, but it'll happen late and it'll happen after Christmas. That's what I suspect. And I think, Terry Johnson, you're probably right. It's interesting. It's interesting you should mention pantomime because I heard it on the radio yesterday and I think about Nottingham Playhouse and they were saying, we're, we're, we're looking at ways where we can keep the pantomime. And I was thinking, how are you going to do uh, Why? I understand why because it brings a lot of money in and all that and people love it. But how are they going to How are they going to do it? Have you, right, being an, a moderately average intelligent person, what thoughts have you got on it, love? How can they do it? Well, I don't think we can do I mean, there's lots of chat, isn't it? The Berliner Ensemble have taken out three of three of every four seats already. The Berliner right. Ensemble right. intend to um, to run at, run at a loss, and uh, I presume that <clears throat> they're designing shows that can be done similarly with, with distancing. Personally, I'm not coming out till there's a vaccine. So, I mean, you, it, it'll become a young person's game because... None of us over 60 are going <laughs> to risk it. I'm waiting till there's a vaccine. I, I, I'm fairly confident there'll be a vaccine this year because, well, let's face it, making a vaccine is, is not rocket science. It, it's, it's, 
it's just big science. You just have to do it a lot. And I think they're throwing everything at it because they've got to. So I'm fairly confident there'll be a vaccine this year. Um, so equally confident that, that we'll start again after Christmas. That's okay, my feeling. Okay. Now, so have you been in, you've stopped in, have you, Terry, waiting for the, you know, you've not been going out? I was two weeks early as well. I thought I know where this is going. So I came down. So I, I came down here two weeks early, um, did a huge Tesco's delivery and accidentally had it delivered to my house in London. <laughs> which was, so, so my daughter did have to do a, 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 a daddy lockdown run, which was very good for her. Um, so she brought down the entire contents of my kitchen. And uh, yeah, I've been here ever since. And uh, no, I haven't been anywhere. What's it been like then, love? Well, which week? I know, it's I, up I and down, okay. isn't it? Yeah, I know. I was okay for quite a long time. And then um, then, I, then, 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 the, then depression hit for a few days. But I, I, I feared out of that. But then it, then it became a bit, a, bit, a bit spooky. I mean, my head turned into a lava lamp. And right. I, I found myself having to pursue my mind around the living room as it kind of bounced off the walls and and uh, yeah, managed to get that back in my head. It's a bit depressing this week. I'm a bit bit. I, I, I'm I'm sad that annoyingly writing has proved no easier under lockdown <laughs> than it ever was in my life. So I, I, you know, I haven't been particularly productive, which is annoying because one feels one should emerge with a novel, really, but no novel. But I think I think part of everything was people thinking, oh, you can do that now, get that novel written, do this. But actually, our brains were in different places, Terry. So don't. Yeah, they slowed, they've slowed down because yeah, yeah. We, we've all experienced what what all brains um experience as they age. You know that thing where we all we all acknowledge that life gets faster and faster and it mm. passes more quickly and more quickly. Um, the, the the scientific reason for that. I mean, there are many theories, but the one <clears throat> the one that's most interesting is that our, our brains are aware that they have limited capacity, yeah? So once you've walked down your hallway of the house you've owned for 25 years, once you've walked, it, walked down it enough times, your, your, your brain no, no longer commits that to your hard drive. Yeah. It, it literally doesn't remember it mm. because it's familiar enough that it, your brain knows it doesn't need to remember it to get back up it or go down it again. So all the time you now spend wandering around your house at my age, you are not remembering it. It doesn't exist. And therefore, less time is being recorded and therefore the time passes faster. Uh, I see. I, I see exactly what you're talking about. There are no more key moments that stand out like, like tent pegs. It's all, no, you know it's all. I understand that. That's very true there, is love. The yeah, brain's a very interesting thing. Yeah, and that's why it goes faster and faster, because there's less. And that's why, yeah, if you pick up sticks and, and go to the Arctic, uh, you'll remember that and your life will slow down again. Um, it, it, it's like travels with my aunt. You know that thing. Isn't there somebody who's living in a house and every and they keep moving, a big house, and they keep room, moving from room to room to extend their lives because they know that if they're moving to a new space, they'll notice it and they'll feel like they're living longer. 
Something like that, love. It's something like that. And I, and I think, you know, a lot of people have now experienced that at a much younger age than they uh, normally would. Um, and we've all, we've all experienced it in spades. So I'm treating this year like a year of my retirement. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully I'll be able to get back out of it and have a couple of more years active. What? Although it does, yes, made me think, well, what do I really want to do? Do I do I really want to go and direct The Dresser next year? Which I'm supposed to be doing. And You better do dresser. it if you're supposed to be doing it, love. I hope nobody's listening. There's butcher. No, I'm just being frank. I know that. I love it, that. Changes, it changes your brain and you go, well, we better double check that this is really what we want to be doing. Yes, love. Um, you know, before whatever kills us finds us. Uh, so, mm. I, I, I think I, you're going to write a great play about this, Terry. Honestly, because you're understanding it on a deeper level, it will definitely impact on what you're going to do. And I know you're directing next; you're directing the dresser and stuff. But when we're directing, things are in our brains affect the way we do that. And all it will impact on your art for sure. Oh, I don't know what to write. I mean, I, I my subject matter is um, has always been sex and comedy, really, and. Um, I'm just so behind the behind the game on writing about either of those two things now that it was proving pretty difficult. It was proving difficult to know what to write. And then um, the Me Too revolution came along, so it makes it even more difficult for me to have any kind of sensible input, uh, being the old, white, lascivious male that I am. Uh, and then... And then the whole gender thing, you can't write a play now about sex without gender issues. And then inclusivity comes and hits you like a bus um, if, you're, uh, if, if, if you're male and white and elderly. Uh, so one's options and one's reasons for writing were, were narrowing anyway. And then Corona has hit, and you don't even know. <laughs> then you don't know whether you're writing pre, during, or post this virus, or whether you should be ignoring it. Uh, so one's options as to how one might be sharing something that people would be in the least interested in become very narrow, very very narrow. You know, you don't you don't even know when to set a play. Let alone what it might be about and who might inhabit it. Well, um, I, I'm not. I don't. I'm not resentful of it. I'm just. No, um, I know that. I've always had a touchstone of verisimilitude. Not a touchstone of verisimilitude. An anchor of verisimilitude. You're going to have to tell me what verisimilitude is, love. Verisimilitude is, is, is that is that you you you're you're making the play that you're writing or watching. True, true to life. Right. It has a, it has an authentic look to it, an authentic feel to it. In other words, yeah. an actress playing Marilyn Monroe puts that white frock and the blonde wig on, and convinces. Yeah, convinces. That's. Her. I know you're saying that that's your style. It's my style. It, well, not so much a style as as a touch, as 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 an anchor to know that you're achieving the work. I could write. Um, anyone could write Marilyn Monroe if she didn't have to sound like Marilyn Monroe. Uh, oh, well, but, but but I think she does. So I have to achieve that level of verisimilitude, and that that's true of whatever I'm writing, however fictional I'm being. I'm still being true to a kind of it's almost a kitchen sink. 
I know reality. I would say it is a style thing. I I saw Prism at Birmingham Rec, which I absolutely adored and loved and had the privilege of meeting. What was his name, the fella? Because I met his wife. She was fantastic. Jack Cardiff. That's it. And and I met in the bar with you, Jack Cardiff's wife. And she she was saying at times it could have been Jack on stage. That's what you're talking about, isn't it? You want it to be as true to life as possible. Is that what verisimilitude means? Verisimilitude. Yes. Yes. Very similar. Very (laughs) similitude. Oh, yeah, I can say easy word now, so it's very similitude. I can't say it, Terry. Very similitude. (laughs) (laughs) Right, now you've explained it. It's bloody easy to understand. It just means very similitude. Right, good. So that's what you're interested in. Other stuff will come up that you'd be interested in. You'd be able to use that thing because of it being very similar to what pigging happened is what you're saying, isn't it? But then you make up fictional situations, unless it wasn't a fiction. Did Marilyn Monroe meet, oh, you know, the blinking scientists, you know, and the other fella in a hotel? Did that happen? No, the verisimilitude in that exists. <laughs> exists. Go on, go on. Sure, exists in a signed portrait, a signed photograph of Einstein uh, that read to Marilyn with all my love. Uh, That was found in her belongings. Shelley Winters found it in Marilyn's belongings. Um, So a signed photograph to me is verisimilitude enough, as is the realisation that, you know, as is the rather daily star expose that Sid James and Barbara Windsor had an affair. Well, that's a window. If I know that much, I will then attempt to keep it real, even though I'm about to take it on flights of outrageous fancy. Yeah. I completely understand what you're talking about. Now, you you, you know now, because these are all people we know, Sid James, Marilyn Monroe, Barbara Windsor and all that people. Who amongst the kind of, the, the crop, you know, the 2020 crop now, who, who interests you and think, I want to find out a bit more about them so I can, I want to write a play about them getting together with, with the very similitude at the heart of it, but with a bit of, oh, I found this evidence that could put them in the same place. Who's lighting your fire? Who's, who's interested? you love well this is the this is the issue isn't it really um i always disqualify myself from taking on anything overtly politic so the shower of leadership we've currently got here and elsewhere i i i would i would just i know that attempting to write about them and personifying them which i could do would be so traumatic i'd, I'd be it would cause me great misery so i i can't go there and, and they're the people that need to be written about, I guess. Um, but, but yeah, that, 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 that thing comes along so rarely. If it, didn't, if it came along more, that, that, that thing about wanting to write some, about someone enough to actually do it comes along very rarely. And if it came along more often, I'd have written more plays. It, it takes a long time. I mean, Jack Cardiff was handed to me by, by Robert Lindsay, you know, and it was a a chance to write for a particular actor, a part which seemed seemed correct and seemed right for him. So it wasn't hard for me to get into Jack Cardiff. Um, but no, that those people are few and far between, and, and I wish there were more that, that spurred me enough, you know? I absolutely know, and I know what you mean about the politics, because they are the kind of strong... 
they're not the pinups is the wrong word, but they're the people that everybody knows about, don't they, and has an opinion about or thinks they know. Like we used to think we knew the stars. Very interesting. Very interesting. And I, I really don't know that I could write from a younger point of view anymore because th- 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 that seems so far away. Um, I'm getting old. You you get old and you 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 become more and more disconnected from what's going on, really. But you become more connected with something else, I think. Don't you think you know more now? I think I do. Yeah, do we? I don't know. At the moment, the past weighs very heavily. When the future is so in doubt, the the past weighs very very heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's too easy to become to drown in 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 regret really and puzzlement at as to how one <laughs> got where one is as opposed to anywhere else i know but I look know. where you are you're in a beautiful house i should have been imagine in the middle of the lovely countryside and you've made you've written all these wonderful things when everything i've seen by you has really made me think and weep actually at uh at life and i cried when i watched on that pigging thing on zoom with you in one room and then what's his name jeremy in the other and the stuff about ken and then oh god i cried at it so please do not think for a pigging second that you've you've finished with you know what i mean I, yeah in fact, I would want, I do want you to write about politics, actually, Terry. I do want you to write something very searchy moody. Well, it's called about what's going on that's now, not... because that is the court. That is our court of what's happening. Do you think because it'll make you fed up? You don't want to write it. I always get uh, very depressed when I'm writing. Um, right. But it was many years ago now, I, having, having had a very cheerful year, I... I I suddenly got very depressed, or gradually over a few weeks got very depressed, and asked myself, "Why? Why? Why, why are you so? Why are you so unhappy all of a sudden?" And and clutched that I am, it, it, it had taken me half a lifetime to realise it was because I was writing. Writing and and depression goes hand in hand. The process of of writing, finding those ninety pages. The process once you found the ninety pages or, or versions of them, you know, there, there's a there's a point. When you're you're up the top of the mountain and what you've got to do is run down without breaking your neck. That's yeah. then it's happy times, you know. Then it's then it's nice. It, there, there can be a pleasure in that, but uh, getting there is very depressing. So I only ever write about dark things by default, and every everything starts out as a comedy because I know the dark stuff's all going to come tumbling. <laughs> I know. So you say, well, I'll keep that at bay because it'll be coming in anyway. But that's the bit I probably like, you see, when I, read, when I hear those things, I see those things in your place. People like it. I understand what you mean about thinking, oh, God, it makes me fed up. All life, Terry, is yin and yang, fen and shui, start skiing hutch. And to get something good, something other has to happen. And I wonder, when you was a kid with your mum and said, come on, let's go into the pantomime, and you felt it, and you said, I know how this works. Do you think it was to do with the writing, or was it to do with the directing? Is directing a better choice for you? Or is it, are they all the, is it all the same journey? It, it, it was a magic trick, in fact. Um, ah. I, we, we've talked a lot about writing, but the only reason I'm a writer is because I was a working-class boy from a red-brick university, and... Trust me, they don't get theatres to run. 
Um, yeah. And so, so my only my only way in, having having discovered that acting really was excruciating, uh, my only way into and through that past door um, was by writing the things. And I realised I could do it. Um, people like putting my plays on because they're already directed. You know, they're, they're yeah, not. Yeah. There aren't. There aren't. Um, if there are problems in my plays, they're eminently solvable mm. uh, because they've already been solved in my imagination. If you see what I mean. Yes, um, I that's not to say I don't challenge my imagination or, or the people involved in in the event. But uh, yeah, I, I was always a director. That's what I was That's thinking, what I was... really. And maybe what you always were was a magician. Yeah. Well, I call myself a dramatist. I don't call myself a writer, um, mainly because dramas, dramas where it's always been at for me. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah. But interestingly yeah. enough, if I turn to my left, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, about a dozen and a half magic tricks I know you like magic. Be- because when you did that thing in the year, you played Houdini, do you remember? And that, we, we made that play up, Houdini. It was a young Houdini, and we just made it out of nothing. And I think you started off by doing a trick with um, uh, a coin as part of the show that we made with the audience. That's what I, I remember. I would, yeah, do you know, I can't remember, but I, I, I almost ended it. I've always been interested in magic, but in the last year or so I've decided to um, really sort out card magic and pack magic and, and uh, I'd, I'd love to be you know one of those guys that can just do magical things with cards so at one end of my dining room table is devoted to all that stuff hmm. um, so yeah there's always been always been an attraction and I love the stories that you, you can tell a lovely little story with a lovely little trick and that, they, they can be fun you know Right, my love, I think I'm going to have to go now. But it's been the most delightful. I feel very privileged to come in with all where you've got all your magic tricks next to you and talk to you about stuff. Has it been all right? Because I know you were thinking, I'm not sure I want to do this. Has it been all right? Very kind of you, by the way, to do it. Go on. No, it's been lovely. It's made me think I ought to do a podcast so I could hear hear more about you. <laughs> ah, well, you should do, yeah. It's nice to do a podcast and you can talk to what's lovely about it, especially during lockdown. You have all these wonderful people to talk to, Terry, in your house. It's lovely. Yeah. No, it's, it sounds good. But um, it's reminded me how, how little we've chatted over the years, which is uh, to, mm. to, which is sad, but that's... That's one of the realities of life, isn't it? You, you, you drift from people. You do, but in a way, what's good about this lockdown is I do think people are seeking people out again. And I think you're very good at seeking people out, actually. I think you that find, you're, a, you're a good, loyal friend, I'd say, about you. You can find anyone if you know which yurt they're appearing in. <laughs> line i'm gonna say thank you enjoy what are you gonna do this afternoon love what will you do uh i'm gonna i'm gonna try and write some paragraphs about my father uh and i shall practice the um the twisted sisters four queens trick (laughs) 
Oh, how brilliant. Right, I shall see you soon. That's for sure. Because you live near John Ness. I mustn't say his name. People were looking for him. But I know you live around there, don't you? So let's get together. When all this is over, let's get together, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I haven't seen John this time um, because of lockdown. Because of what's going on, yeah. yeah. But let's get together. I'd love that. All right, keep well, darling. And you keep well, love. And get that vaccine. When when you said it'll be coming out before the year. What was that? You, you you predicted the vaccine will come out before the year, back in theatres by March. I'm going to look out for it, Nostradamus. The vaccine, they'll be producing it in November. And oh. By, well, that's here, here, here uh, by December. Right. I, I, I'm probably ahead, of, ahead, ahead in the queue because um, I've, <laughs> I've got diabetes. So oh, I probably oh, beat you. Okay, I'll let you. I'll I'll step back a bit. You can get in the front of the queue. You'll beat me. All right, love. See you soon for a drink, yeah? Yeah, that'd be lovely. Yeah, brilliant. Take care, love. Thank you. Right, well, Paul, wasn't it lovely talking to Terry Johnson? And if you don't know his work, I mean, go on Wikipedia and have a look at all the different stuff he's done. And I know him, when he said we haven't seen each other for a long time, well, he's trying to get money back off me, really, you know, I borrowed some money and... That's what it's after, really, Terry. Because I own 50p from 1972. We we knew each other. He was at Birmingham University when I was beginning to be knocking around there and all that. So that's where it comes from. And he, he did come and see the show in the yurt. You know, very, very interesting. Very, very, I hope he does write another play very soon because he really gets to you when you write stuff. He's belting. What did you think, Paul? I think it is very deep. It's the deepest we've gone on this podcast. Mm. So yes, very almost profound. Thank you. We can, we can have a laugh, and we can also have a good think about Both things. Have, I, I think it rivals for profoundness the sparrow hawk. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Oh, well, I, I wish I do have. An, I, I should have said, is it worth making a play about a spring of inspiration? <laughs> Sparrowhawk, too. <laughs> right, go back to what because I oh, thank you, Terry. If you're listening, Terry, I just appreciate it, and it was really properly wonderful to talk to you. Now then, what, 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 mm. back to where we were before Terry got yes. in touch with us. I loved you. You had no headphones, and it worked, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, it sounded good. I was I had to ride the buttons, but. Uh, can I just say, round of applause for Paul Wesley. Ride in the buttons. <laughs> <laughs> you hear a bit of an echo, but uh, the bits you did was because of me. Promise me, Paul, you'll leave in the beginning so people could see how bad it was. <laughs> and then think, bloody hell, Paul's brilliant at riding the buttons. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I should be I should be applauded. Right? Please keep that in. Please. I want you oh, to yeah. get some. What kind of awards can we get for sound? Sony Awards. Can you get a Sony Award for I sound? Think, I'm not sure the Sonys are still going anymore. but uh, Right. Who's doing it now then? <laughs> some other sponsor. Asda. Who is it? <laughs> I like it when you laugh Sing- like that. Singstar. Our Singstar. Singstar Awards. <laughs> Juliet anyway, Belkin needs to sponsor us, I tell you. That's right. Sponsored by Juliet Belkin. I hope it's a band name. <laughs> yeah. And Rapunzel hairdressers, we bring you <laughs> Sparrowhawk. <laughs> oh, Sparrowhawk dear. sound. The Sparrowhawk tale. I have to do that as material. I have to become a comedian. Just go out and tell the Sparrowhawk. Oh, Sparrowhawk, you adolescent beak. Things now, like listen. Omar on your, on your lockdown... <laughs> 
show. Just pipe me in. I can tell the spower hawk tale. Oh, and I'll course. Leave again. <laughs> of course, you bloody can. But you should get awards. I want you to leave it all in so people realise. Wow, you were riding them buttons, look. <laughs> so go back to go back before lovely, before lovely Terry came on. Oh yes, and it was great that show, by the way, about oh Ken Campbell. If you don't know who he is, he was a right. He was a character and half. You know, oh brilliant. Anyway, look him up if you're interested in stuff. So go on, James yes. Acaster. I left you on a cliffhanger, didn't I? You did, love. Oh, it was. All it was was James Acaster on off menu. It's us... not going to be the equivalent of a sparrow stuff. <laughs> well, let's, no. let's hear the story first. Call it a cliffhanger and it's bloody nothing. Go let's on. Let's hear the story and we can judge it afterwards. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I feel pressured now. No, it was, it was a compliment, if anything. I just wanted to make sure you knew about a compliment. And uh, he told a story that... You, the, one of the most times, the biggest laughs he's ever had was the time at a festival when you were on before him doing your yeah. kids' club comedy show. Yeah. And one of the kids uh, was just, I think you told them to like ref, uh, acknowledge the audience every time he says something. So it'd be like, yeah. I'd had a cheeseburger day. Who likes cheeseburgers? Yeah. And, okay. then, yeah. and he did it like everything he did. It's like, okay, and I, I went to school. Who went to school? Yeah. <laughs> trying to get the audience to cheer and he honestly said he was crying with laughter this kid is brilliant i don't know if you yeah. can fit, fill in the the gaps of who the kid was and, and when it was or what but well i can kind of remember when it was but i think it's such a lovely i'm glad you found it amusing because mm-hmm. actually where i've done loads of stuff with kids sometimes in that quick festival thing <laughs> where you you just in a tent you think what's going to happen here the end of a great show yeah and uh there's something so fresh about it and genuinely properly funny <laughs> that I'm glad he liked it. And I can see why that was funny. <laughs> Who's doing that? Any else been to school? Just funny, isn't it? Yeah. Literally Absolutely. Everything that, was, that was what is so funny about it. It was like, oh, we're at the festival. Who's at the festival? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, I can see why talking about key moments, like Terry was talking about his key moment and I was talking about my key moment. I think that was a key moment for James Acaster because there's something about his mm. comedy that <laughs> somehow is in that territory. Yeah. Somehow. Oh, yeah. He's, very, he's always been very nice to me, Acaster. I'm be, you know, because he loved that moment so much. I met <laughs> him in dressing rooms and I'm going, I think he, he won't know who I am. He goes, well, actually, I'm a massive fan. <laughs> <laughs> And it's all based on that kid. Yeah, she's a fan of the kid, really. <laughs> of course he is. And if you're listening to this, James, love, I take it as a compliment and I send the compliment back to you. Because oh. when I saw James live at Chester, I'd never worked with him before. Little did I know that he was, you know, a fan of my oeuvre. Um <laughs> I thought he was brilliant. I thought he was, I think he's one of our great comedians, James mm. Acaster. So just as people getting excited that James Acaster has mentioned me on his <laughs> podcast, I hope people are, are getting in touch with James now and saying, you'll never guess what happened. You've been mentioned on Barbara Nice's <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Very nice. Between yeah, the try and get James on it anyway. If anybody yeah. can try and get older, James A. Caston, we'll try and get that lad and all. <laughs> how old, when, what, do you know when it, how old he'd when, be now? Oh, I don't know. He's probably, <laughs> He's it was probably about five years ago, six oh, years right. ago, and he was pro- possibly about eight. So, yeah, he yeah, might have his own show, but in Edinburgh next year, you never know. <laughs> Anybody else got their own school. show in Edinburgh? He's <laughs> <laughs> been doing it at school like, ever since, you know, like, anyone else? <laughs> And I was going to the chip shop. Anyone else like chips? Yeah. Then yeah it's, a good, it's a good way of doing stuff. Yeah. Right. So if anybody else, I thought it was good when um, Terry C. might do podcasts. I think he'd be <laughs> doing good theatrical podcasts. Mm. Yeah, more buttons to write. All oh, right, <laughs> then buttons, Paul, ride them high. So, okay. 
I am going to go out. I'm still doing my gardening. Mm -hmm. I'm still, I've planted some lettuce seeds a bit late, but we're having a go. I'm very pleased that my, I don't know what last time I mentioned vegetables, but I've been, I've had these out of date seeds with courgettes. And right about a week or so into lockdown, people said, give it a go, Bab. And I have done. A bit worried about it because it was a bit spindly. And I've wrapped gaffer tape around the, the, uh, the stem. I've talked about this before. Yes. Stop me. Yeah, all right. It's this. going all right. Oh. Going all right. That's what, what, that's what I'm trying to give. <laughs> You. I think I'm going to get some courgettes off it. So if you're a courgette grower and you're worried about slugs and snails, which we did used to talk uh, about yes. quite a lot, just bringing them back into the uh, focus. Mm-hmm. Forget sparrowhawks. Now bring back the... What's happened to the slugs and snails? It's all, it's all sparrowhawks these days. I thought we, we banned slugs and snails because they're likely to take over with their own comedy shows after lockdown, is what Mark Watson said. It was what Mark Watson said, mm. yeah. And uh, quite a few of men. Anyway, come on, I'm talking about courgettes. <laughs> Don't keep looking at the back, look, turning back to what comics have said oh. to you, love. <laughs> <laughs> comics, that's how dear. <laughs> We're talking about now. Anyway, you put some gaffer tape around, it'd be all right. Right, what will you do? You've got this to edit. You've got to ride them buttons. Yeah, it's got a button ride. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your own? Is that your own? Just out of interest, because for when we get the uh, the uh, the awards, oh, the speech. Yeah. I will say he's been marvellous when he was, when he was riding his own buttons. <laughs> will people know what I mean when I say that? Oh, it's, they it's basically. Does everybody easy. ride buttons, or is it something that you just made up? It's just muting someone so the echo doesn't get through. It's so it's not a complicated thing. Anyone can do it. But is it a well-known phrase? Uh, yeah, in the radio world, yeah. Well, you haven't made ride, it up. Ride right. the faders, all that sort of thing. Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you're at a fairground. <laughs> yeah. Scream if you want to fade faster. <laughs> now, on that great roundabout thing, I'm going. And thank you very much, Terry Johnson. Took us into different places and really got... I've always enjoyed talking to Terry. And conversation is the most wonderful thing and the art of it is wonderful. The art of drama and let's... I like what well, he he got some good information about the Berliner Ensemble. You heard it here first, kids. Like Take it. care. <laughs> Over and out. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this Brum Radio podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us on your podcast app.